We've all heard the phrase, confidence is key. It takes all kinds of confidence to do what we're meant to do in life, but there are just so many of us who don't feel it. We're frozen with fear, doubts, and anxiety about what people will think of us and failure to do the thing. Our goal for what we want to do here is to share stories of people who are going through their own confidence journey, one step at a time, and hopefully encourage others to know that they are not alone and that confidence is attainable. So please join us in our conversation and perhaps have one of your own. So hi, Matt. How are you doing? Hi, Katie. Good. Great to be with you. Great to be with you, too. Um, Matt is my associate pastor, right? Yeah, that's right. And It's um, a power title. Yes, it's a power title. We, we love that. And um, he actually graciously volunteered to be on my podcast, which I love. And um, so we're going to hear who he is, uh, what he does, and where he's from. Yeah, I feel like before I tell you that, though, that I should tell your listeners... Yeah, that, um, I have thirty different books coming out, all all in the future. Um, haven't been started yet, you know. Um, but if anybody wants to do like a crowdfund me or something like that, um, I am ready. We so, love it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Just a shout out on that. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Iowa, in the country, outside of a. Uh, for Iowa, a city. For other parts of the country, maybe more like a, more like a town. Yep, um, yep. Did school in Chicago, um, where I also met my wife Lauren, and then um, so for pastors after undergrad, uh, grad school is usually called seminary, and so mm-hmm. I did seminary in the Chicago land area, and uh, then my family and I moved out here to the Lansing area and Red Cedar Church, the church that you grew up in, Katie. I grew up in this church. Yeah, you grew up here. It was my first time, uh, full-time job. So we've been here for eight and a half years now. And I've been here for 28. So Okay. All right. (laughs) Mic drop right there. But, um, and we, yeah, so we, uh, recently connected, reconnected kind of and um I was telling him a little bit about my life and where I was at and the podcast came up and he's like do you need people and I was like absolutely and so um in that note we're gonna hear what Matt's personal definition is of confidence yeah so um I would define confidence as um boldness that comes from stability. So the shorthand for that would be stability-induced boldness. And by stability, um, I mean that you have a sense that you're safe in life, mm-hmm. that you're, um, you're not having to wear a mask in the places mm-hmm. that you go into, but that kind of what you're projecting to others mm-hmm. matches at some level with who you are inside. Um, so integrated. Um, and so that's kind of the internal side of things. The external side would be that, um, you're secure in relationships. Yeah. Um, that there's a sense of 
you know, you have something to stand on. Yes. Um, and then that, that stability gives way to being able to be there for other people in more of a bold way or to enter into your world. Yeah. So, so you, um, authenticity has kind of come up in this. Is that kind of what you're, you're saying or is it deeper than that? Would you say? No, I think authenticity is certainly part of it. Okay. If I could see that being almost synonymous with being an integrated person, what people see on the outside matches what's going on on the inside. But looking at myself and looking at others, I I think it's pretty rare to really be able to figure out how to be present with someone in a way that matches with what's going on inside. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. That is very, um, very true that it's rare for people to be able to not just express themselves in an authentic way, but to really be present in that way as well. Right. Yeah. And I've noticed that I don't think that, I don't think that what I'm talking about is just letting yourself fall out there in every social situation. But I would like as a pastor, as a friend, um, as a husband and a dad, Mm -hmm. um, I would love to have that confidence of um, being able to be present in a way that other people experience genuine love through me. So authenticity, yes, but that's kind of the baseline. Yeah. The, the goal would be genuine love. Yeah, so. that's really, really good. And so we're going to now go into um, a little bit of where where he, Matt, came from and how confidence has kind of gone into that. So Yeah, sure. Um, well, let me talk just a second about present tense because yeah. I want to be clear for your listeners and for you that this stability that I talked about, that's kind of like the seedbed for confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, it's something that I struggle with daily. Oh, like it doesn't feel like, um, it doesn't feel to me like I am stable much of the time. I'm sure Um, everyone feels that way. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's ironic though, Katie, because, um, my job feels like a job where you would want to be a source of stability for people. Oh, so true. So, yeah. So I can, I can work with anyone from an elderly woman in our congregation who doesn't have family Mm -hmm. and who's dealing with dementia and want to be a stable help for Mm -hmm. her, um, to deal in with, uh, well dealing with, to enjoying and building into, and sometimes dealing with (laughs) middle schoolers. Um, who are going through all sorts of life changes all and wanting to be a, a stable presence for them, wanting to be able to hear yeah. them. For instance, hearing a middle schooler um, share about a tough interaction with a mom and uh-huh. then um, and then being able to respond in a way that is encouraging and steady yeah. and, and that student feels heard and right. cared for and not judged. Right. Um, so there's a need for me to be stable, but I oftentimes don't feel stable. This yeah. is true 
I see this especially in at home because that's my first and foremost. I mean, churches churches where I'm supposed to do my work for sure, but right. this work of being stable and present starts with my own kids. Oh, so absolutely. Like right now, our our five year old Ethan has been uh, struggling with going to bed at nighttime. Oh and, dear. Well, yeah, and parents listening know what this is like. Yes, uh, yes. You go through ebbs and flows, um, but it, it we started letting him have snacks in bed, and we've been trying to dial that back. Oh, and. Oh man, he is, he will, uh, just kind of unravel emotionally because his little body is tired Yeah, and I know the right helpful things to do is to help him give words to his emotions, to mm-hmm. come and talk with him, um, draw near to him, right? encourage him. But at the same time, I'm also unraveling because it's the end of the day, I'm You're tired, tired. etc. So this idea of being stable for people yeah can sometimes feel pretty elusive to me oh i'm sure and i'm sure there's is there i'm not sure actually but um i'm i'm wondering is there like a pressure ever that comes with that um yeah i would say the pressure comes more in the work of church yeah ministry yeah um the pressure to because because it's easy for me to th- uh, to wonder if I'm performing well right. as a pastor. Yeah. And so there's an odd way that like being relationally present uh-huh. for somebody can get tainted by me thinking about more of what you're doing am I performing. Am I doing this right? Right. Is this, is this professional? Is this helpful? Right. Is this good? Um, at home, the pressure is less of it's less of an image consciousness or a concern about performance and it tends to be more of okay this boy is kicking and flailing in his bed Uh and i'm his dad and when he finally falls asleep tonight i want him to have known that i loved him right and to have experienced security from me Right. And so it is more of a love-based pressure, pressure naturally yeah. at home because yeah. it's impossible to put on a face and perform for my family. Oh, absolutely. Because I'm absolutely. with them much yep. more frequently. Exactly. So. And yeah. And so, yeah, that, that did answer the question. So now we're... Um, you so, asked me about my past. Yeah. And then I kind of took over with the No, present. you're good. Want me to go to the past? I would okay. love you to go to the past. So the... Not everybody deals with this achievement performer thing mm-hmm. in their lives. I think it, I know a lot of people do. Um, for me, it. I think a lot of it comes from growing up as an oldest child. Mm. And for 10 years of my life, I was an only child. Wow. Um, until my family adopted my sister. Okay. And then um, four years after that, um, my mom had a late age pregnancy unexpectedly. Oh, wow. And so I have a brother who's a senior in high school right now. Interesting. And um, so growing up, I had the great benefit of loving parents um, and had their full focus in that way. But I bet 
older children, like oldest children listening could relate to the idea of when you're an oldest child, you have a different type of full focus Mm -hmm. as well. More of a, like all the parenting desires for you are focused on you. Right, right. And so um, a lot of, I, I can look back and see how growing up, I especially wanted to please my dad. Um, and I can, I can remember I was part of a carpool in elementary school and I would get dropped off at my friend Hunter's house Uh and we would play basketball Uh and we had a great idea, um, one day to take the picnic table that was in his yard and put it up close to the basketball hoop so that we could, um, run across his pavement, jump up onto the table, and then dunk into the hoop oh, this sounds like outside a great of his idea. house. It was. It was awesome. There were no incidents. Oh, good. It was just amazing dunk fest. Awesome. There were no incidences until um, my dad was dropping me off one day, and I wanted to show him Uh-oh. how I could do this. Um, because having him see me do that and and like saying, wow, son, that's awesome, like, that was the goal. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I went to show him and I went flying off this table, grabbed onto the rim, slipped, and my elbows bit into the concrete. Ooh. And my dad was in a hurry to get to work. So Uh-oh. the guy tried to be compassionate, but he was not giving me the positive affirmation that I had really wanted. Right. Um, and that's kind of a, and so we went, we got me bandaged up, sent me off to school. Um, but this thing that I so wanted uh, to experience that affirmation, um, I hadn't gotten. Right. And my dad was an affirming guy, but uh, he also cared a lot. So that's just one picture of my childhood, but um, maybe a broader statement is that he cared a lot about work ethic and developing that in me. And so a huge motivator, um, in my work, um, which I started working summer jobs, uh, when I was 14 and a huge motivator in my work was excellence in order to please my dad. And so, um, so that was a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, college choice. I remember getting accepted to the school in Chicago and it was, I'd gotten accepted to some other schools, but when he heard that I'd gotten accepted to that school that he knew would be really good for me, he gave me a huge hug, affirmed Aww. me like that's what I was looking for. So it influenced my college choice. Yeah. My dad was, um, he was not like a, a pastor, like what you would think of as a pastor at a church when I was growing up, uh-huh. but he was always involved in church leadership and okay. even preached quite a bit. And I saw him mentoring other guys. And so, um, so in that way too, yeah, um, it played a role in what I'm doing today. Right. Um, and, and pleasing him for me, that was a big source of stability. Okay. If I could know that, if I could know that I was doing things that were pleasing my dad, Mm-hmm. I was good. I was stable and confidence I could have confidence yeah. that my broad life direction was was going the right way. Um, 
so, so that influences me now, um, uh-huh. that as a pastor, um, it's easy to want to find stability and confidence in how well I'm serving people. Mm. Um, but, um, I'm guessing you've probably been to a friend's house where you want to be with them, mm-hmm. but they are so focused on serving you. Yep. What do you want to drink? What do you want to watch, et cetera, um, that you don't really get them the way you would like to? Yeah. Or maybe it takes longer than it needed to before they finally calm down yep. and you're present with them. Yep. And I've begun to wonder... Um, what if what if my search for stability in how well I'm serving mm-hmm. is actually keeping people from experiencing me and my love for them? Mm. So that's a haunting question, but I think yeah. it's a I think it's a good growing question. Oh, absolutely. For me right now. Yeah. And um so in the, do you ever feel that as a pastor, um, do you ever feel that um, the Holy Father is like you're trying to please the Holy Father as well? Or is that not so much part of it? Yeah. You know, in at least in the Christian circles I run in, people often make that connection. Yeah. Um, like you'll hear, oh, like for instance, I have I have friends who didn't have a father figure, uh-huh. and so that really affects and makes it difficult to picture God as a loving father. Right. Um, for me, I did get the rare privilege of having a dad who clearly loved me, mm-hmm. um, and who told me how God loved me. Mm-hmm. And so, for whatever reason, I don't usually struggle with the idea of. Um, of knowing the fact that God loves me. Okay. But because I can't see God. Right. And because I can so clearly see people and I can experience respect or affection or compliments mm. or affirmation from people, mm-hmm. um, just like with my dad growing up, I look for stability in that. Oh, okay. And I think, and I wonder if even many of your listeners who don't have a faith background, like they wouldn't call themselves church people or God people, I wonder if they would jibe with the idea of finding stability in, I mean, that's where we get the phrase codependency from, right? Finding stability in one single other person. Yep. Or finding your stability in what other people think about you, yep. um, that can lead you into a hollowed out place yes. where you're not able to really give yourselves yourself to other people exactly. in a healthy way. Right. Um, and so, so yeah, that's something that I've been coming to terms with lately. I, I actually went on a retreat for pastors last week mm-hmm. and... I've been to pastors retreats or conferences that are very um, brain heavy, oh, like a lot of information. Right. I mean, Christianity is a is a religion that believes that the Bible is God's very word. Right. And so, reading and understanding 
knowledge is important to us. Right. So, so there can be those types of conferences. But what I liked about this retreat this last week is that it was probably about 40 to 45 uh, pastors or church leaders. And um, it was not, there was some teaching, but it was mostly a very heart focused, not head focused mm. event. And in fact, on our name tags for the conference, um, as you can imagine with lots of with lots of conferences, business, church, otherwise, it does your name, and then it says your city on your name tag. And then underneath it, it says your title. Mm-hmm. And um, and this conference was different from the get-go because my name tag said Matt Knapp, Holt, Michigan. And then it didn't say the church that I'm part of or my role. It just said, loved by God. And, and then that was kind of the theme of the whole event was that we can find our truest stability in a relationship, right? It's a relationship between the creator and his, his creatures when we know, um, his love for us. And so the whole the whole retreat was built around this story that Jesus tells about a father who loves his two boys and his two boys are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, one boy, uh, he grows up and he says, dad, I, um, I'm ready to leave. Give me my share of the money I, and the land I would normally get when you die, give it to me now, mm-hmm. which was a huge, uh, huge smack in the face for his father. Right. He was saying, I wish you were dead and I don't want a relationship with you. Oh, yeah. And so his father gave him the money. He went off. He, he uh, went to a totally different country, spent all of the money that his father had liquidated his resources to create. Right. Um. And he spent it not on investments, but on just his own pleasure. Right. So prostitutes, on gambling it away, doing all the things that we look for for just immediate quick fixes mm-hmm. to be stable. Right. And um, he finally came to his senses when he was working for pig farmers. Mm. Jesus is telling this story. So there's yeah. this agricultural background at that time. And so he's working for pig farmers. Uh, Side note, Jews aren't even supposed to be close to pigs, but here's this Jewish boy working for pig farmers. And he's so hungry that he wants to eat the pig's food. Right. But they won't even let him have that. And so he comes to his senses and says, I could be a servant to my father right now. And be eating better than this. Yep. And so the prodigal, that's what the story is commonly known as, the prodigal mm-hmm. son story. The the prodigal returns home and he's got a speech ready. He's going to say to his dad, um, listen, I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Right. 
which frankly is true. Right. Yep. Um, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. Yep. And what should have happened is that in that culture is that he walks home, the neighbors see him coming home. They are outraged that mm-hmm. he, this is an honor shame culture. So they'd be outraged that he'd be dishonoring the family name in this way that he had done that. Yeah. Um, the father should have refused even to see him and right. kicked him out. But instead, it's been clear that the father for days and months and maybe years, however long this guy's been away, right. he has been walking and scanning the horizon looking for his boy. Because Jesus says, when this boy was a long ways off, his father saw him and then he picked up his robes, which would have been something that a, a Jewish patriarch would have never done. Mm-hmm. Totally dishonoring to him to even show your ankles. But he picks up his, his robes. Uh-huh. And if you're going to do that, I mean, your whole legs and maybe more is going to be hanging out right, yep. for everyone to see. Yep. So he runs towards his boy. He throws his arms around him. He kisses him. And he receives him fully as his son. Yeah. Puts a ring on his finger. It's where we even get the phrase, kill the fatted calf, is from this story that Jesus told. He says, kill the fatted calf. Let's have a party. Let's throw a feast. Um, And he wraps him in his love. Yeah. As if to say, this love can be the stability you've been looking for. Right. And it's this love that welcomes you even though you've treated me like garbage yeah. and even though you've wasted everything that I gave you. But remember I said this is the story of how father loves two of his boys. Mm-hmm. And I, as the oldest child in my family, do tend to be not like the younger child in this story. Right. Because you remember, I've been trying to perform well for my dad yep. my whole life. Yep. Um, and to some extent, you put your finger on it, trying to perform for God my whole life. Yep. Um, the older boy has been there working for his dad, mm-hmm. not asking for anything, just pursuing the honor of his family. And he comes in from the fields and sees that there's a party going on in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Yeah. Maybe he thinks, is this finally the party I've been looking for for yeah. me? Um, and the servant says, this is actually a party because your brother came back. And the son refuses to go in because he's angry. Mm-hmm. But the father loves this son too. And He comes out to him and urges him to come in because he says, listen, this son of mine, your brother, he was like dead, but now he's alive to us again. He was lost and he's found. So come and join the party. But the older brother says, I have been serving you for years and not asking 
for a thing and you haven't even you haven't even given me a goat right um you haven't given me any type of of honor or reward yeah and you know i'm i'm totally like that yeah. katie because the way that the way that i'm wired i'm more of a behind the scenes pastor mm-hmm. than yep. like a i joked about a book books i'm i'm not like a dynamic speaker book mm-hmm. writing uh charismatic leader type of pastor right and i can have this attitude you know i think you're right i think it is a thing with me and god i i can have this attitude toward god like okay god i've served you for this long why are you not flipping the switch yep. so that all of this serving is not causing me to be more and more respected right. or to have a church that's becoming more and more popular yep. or um, or to be able to have um, kids who don't fall apart at bedtime. Yep. You name it. Yep. Um, I, I do sometimes have a sense of, God, I've been here working. I've been here using the serving gifts that you've given me. Why aren't you making me have a party and honoring me yeah um and so we don't hear how it ended with the older son did he go in and enjoy the party don't know but what is very clear is that the father loved his boys including the older son plural yep yeah and um I told you at the beginning that stability for me is a daily struggle. Yeah. Um, It's a struggle because I daily need to plant my feet on the solid ground of God's love for people who are like this older brother. Right. That... That because of my faith in Jesus, his son, he sees me as a son. Mm-hmm. And he actually takes great pleasure in the day in and day out service that's happening because it's part of my salvation. Right. It's part of how he's leading me um, out of a world that, let's be honest, no matter what your faith background, this world is jacked up. Yep. Um, totally agree. Um think anyone can agree with so that. a christian worldview would say that god is leading people out of a jacked up world yep. into fullness of relationship with him mm-hmm. now sadly christians often don't live that way right <laughs> and i'm one of those christians who doesn't yeah. live that way um because i i act like stability should be found in this world yeah and and i can fake boldness towards people because of that yep but um, but I need to search daily for the reality that all these years that I've been trying to please my dad or trying to please God, that God has been pleased with me. Right. Yeah. Because I'm united with Jesus. Yep. And Jesus did it for us. Yeah. And he's alive right now for us, representing us. Right. So... Now, does this mean that, so let's say that you're someone who doesn't believe in Jesus. Does this mean you're not able to have confidence because, right. because, um, 
you don't really have stability. I don't think that's true. I I, I would say, I would say that in a Christian worldview, God has given us this gift of finding stability in relationships. Yep. And that, and that if we're able to find stability in, in relationships where we're known and loved, not for our performance or what we have to offer, but because just because yep. of the love of that person, yep. that that's a picture. I, I think that's, that gives great stability. That gives Absolutely. great confidence, better confidence than what comes through amassing knowledge or amassing skills and experience. Right. Um, the stability of relationships that have staying power. Yeah. Um, but I think those are pictures of, of the relationship that can only give lasting stability, right. which would be a relationship with the creator. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I hope you and your listeners have enjoyed some moments in your life where it's yeah. like confidence has just blossomed mm-hmm. where maybe, maybe just something fit into place in your mind and heart and you realized how you were loved Yes. Um, but I expect for the most part that this is going to be a daily struggle to, oh. to keep knowing how we're loved and not allowing, for me, it's not allowing achievement to slip in and hijack Yeah. that as my stability source. Yeah. And for every, every person it's different, right? Yeah. Yeah. Every person has their own struggles, their own journey. And, um, but I think that's really important to hold on to those relationships that are working and um, to not isolate yourself mm-hmm. from people because mm-hmm. that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help the people that love you. And um, there is someone who loves you, right? Right. So right. that is also really important to to get into one's mind because it does blossom confidence. It blossoms a lot of things that are positive. Yeah. yeah. So um, that is important. And also having a support system for those daily struggles is important too. Yeah, right. So, um, but thank you so much, Matt. This was a very insightful um, conversation. Yeah. Thanks for taking time, Katie. I, I'm thankful that... Um, I'm thankful that true stability does come not through what we know, but through how we're able to be known by other people. Yeah. And, and for me being able to be known by God. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I will see you on Sunday. Okay. Okay, Sounds sounds good. good. Thanks. Bye. Bye.